0: Thanks for tuning in to the Parent Equip podcast from the Children's Ministry of New Heights Church. First off, I just really want to thank you guys for allowing me to be here. This is such a sacred space for me to talk to you guys Uh, about the most important topic that you're dealing with, okay? Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor at the Joshua Center, uh, which, if you don't know, is connected to New Heights and uh, is a part of the ethos of the church. Uh, And I was formerly with Dayspring Behavioral Health and focused on school-based counseling I've worked with lots and lots of kids, from age four to college age. I also work with adults and couples and a really wide client base. But I've been trained in play therapy and I love to work with kids. Um, In some of the chairs, uh, there's some uh, notepads and pens uh if you have any questions please write them down and you can get it to brad and he'll get it to me or you can pass it up or set it on the end or whatever and at the end i'll answer those questions um it just seemed like it'd be handiest to write them down and we'll get to them at the end so you can use that however you'd like Uh, i'm going to talk today about attunement my goal is to give you the tools to gain the ability to attune with your child in order to have a stronger connection. And as long as people have been raising kids, this has been important, extremely important. But in today's culture, in the world that we live in, in the world that your kids are living in, it's more important than ever. So I'm going to use that word a whole bunch of times, attunement. When I've given this presentation before, i focused on attachment and attunement. So first we're going to touch on attachment. I'm going to help us understand how important attachment and correction, connection really is. Research states that the first and foremost instinct of humans is to seek contact and comforting connection. So if human relationships are all about connection, how do we help our children feel safely connected in our families? The thing is, the human brain was designed by God for connection and relationship. You were never supposed to learn to be alone with pain and stress needing emotional safety and support doesn't mean there's something wrong with us it's a sign of something deeply right within us we need that connection so what i'm trying to convey is a way to help our children feel connected and understood when they're feeling out of control or scared or alone in their pain and stress to start understanding this process and It's impossible to do this without doing this with ourselves. We're going to take a moment and look at our own attachment style. And we all have one. Hopefully, we have a safe, secure attachment style. To determine this quickly on a Sunday morning, without going too deep, what I want you to do is think about your growing up. Just take a second and think about you when you were little. When you were sad or scared or angry or confused, who did you turn to? Did you have an older, wiser, other, a mom, a dad, other parental figure who was a safe place to come with your emotions? Think about that for a second. Did you have a safe place? Or, as a child, were you expected to hold your emotions in? Not to express emotions. As a child, were you told, go to your room and you can come out when you have a happy face? When you can put a smile on your face? you may have developed, in those situations, you may have developed developed a maladaptive attachment style. So I'm going to go through some of these. Ambivalent attachment is a style developed when we could not be sure our needs would be met. We hoped our needs would be met, but we couldn't be sure that they would because maybe we didn't have that safe place. That older, wiser, other wasn't that safe. Avoidant attachment style is developed when we subconsciously believed that our needs probably won't be met. As a child, we figured out pretty early. I'm scared, I'm, but that's, that's all on me. Nobody's there to help me, our needs won't be met. And those kids often develop and in, in be disengaged as adults and insecure. We develop disorganized attachment when we were severely confused with no strategy to get our needs safely met. If that's the case, we often develop into adults who are depressed and angry. If any of that describes you and statistics show that many of the adults in this room, that will describe you. If that's the case, I want to encourage you to get help, to work on you. Contact the Joshua Center or another counseling agency. New Heights will actually help with that process. I'll just throw him out there. Talk to Brad Ringer and say, hey, I I need some help with counseling. And we'll make that happen, okay? And again, as I said earlier, that need for connection, that need, even as adults, for us to say, okay, I need, I need connection, I need to deal with that. That's not a sign of something wrong. That's something, a sign of something deeply right with you in the way that you were made and it's important to connect with others. Change is valuable for us and for our children. We're talking today about breaking generational cycles of struggle, providing a better environment for our children, okay? So if you come in thinking, okay, this will be light and breezy and easy, (laughs) not so much. But it is valuable, and it is good. Okay? And thanks for coming. And thanks for engaging. That's why you're here today. So as I said, I believe the path towards that connection involves attunement. We're going to talk for a minute about our, our attachment, as I was talking about. is something that we all seek. Attunement is the doorway we go through to begin that process. The definition in the dictionary for attunement is not the way we consider attunement in counseling. Okay, and, and I don't do this very often, but I even, you know, Google the dictionary thing about attunement. And apparently there's a thing about in Dungeons and Dragons where you have attunement, okay, that's not what we're talking about, okay? I'm not a Dungeons & Dragon person, and I had no idea what they were talking about. But what we're talking about, I'll give you the Richard definition. Attunement between two people. Attunement between two people is when one person sees the other is in some kind of distress, some kind of upregulation, and they're able to empathize with that person. They're able to empathize, and not just empathize with them, but to tell the person, reflect back to them, communicate, hey, I understand that you're upset. I see what you're feeling. I feel what you're feeling. I understand. And you communicate that in a way that they understand that you understand. They get it that you get it. And then that's attunement. Okay? When they get it that you get it. That's attunement. And that is when connection starts. So... With that, and all that that I just said, we're gonna dive into the empathy part. And I'm gonna ask Brad to fire up this video. Some of you guys may have seen it. Uh, It's by Brene Brown, uh, very respected, counselor type book writer and all that, so.
1: So what is empathy? And why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant, and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective-taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. (laughs) Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, (laughs) it's bad, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Uh, no. You want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us, that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So, I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face Of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now, I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection.
0: Okay, so that tells us about the empathy, extremely important. And I love the way that in that video, that you have to be vulnerable to go to that place and be empathetic with someone else. And guys, that's even true with our kids. This process is going to be filled with vulnerability as you get on that level and you're empathetic with your kids, you're vulnerable and it's hard. And even that counselor guy, he started this whole thing out with, remember back when you were a kid and it was hard. And that's real. Because when you got a four-year-old dealing with something how it was for you when you were four, that comes up. The head went away. Okay? So attuning really deals with vulnerability. Okay? And to be vulnerable to see progress. Another part of this attunement process is co-regulation. Some of the Josh, therapists at the Joshua Center have done some fantastic work with co-regulation with couples. Okay, so grab this part. What I mean by co-regulation is when we are angry or sad or emotional, we get in a heightened state. And there's a whole bunch of brain science about that. I'm not the brain science guy, but it's a real thing. And, when we're in that heightened state, we need to regulate. We need to deal with that. We need to come down. And we're often told to calm down, to get control of ourselves. Some of us, as we said, as kids were told, go to your room and don't come out until you have a smile on your face. That's only possible by pushing down and not dealing with those emotions, okay? Being told to calm down rarely causes anybody to calm down. And co-regulation is different. Um, I'll give her credit, Julia Conroy, she's a PhD at the Joshua Center. She just did a bunch of research with this with couples Okay, And this couple's work relates a lot to what we're doing because it is due to attunement and connection. So the co-regulation part, she did the research where she had some very expensive watches that couples wore. Both of them had the watch and it was hooked to a computer and it was monitoring their heart rate and their breathing and their bodily functions and where it could measure that regulation, and they were highly regulated. When one was highly regulated, if left alone, left alone with their emotions, where they just talked about it, and their partner didn't respond, they didn't regulate. They stayed up there. But if the other partner was able to go to that emotion with them, to have empathy, to go to that hard place, like in the video, to feel what they were feeling and verbalize that it made sense that they were so upset, attuned with them, the heart rates, whenever the other partner was Going to that place, their heart rate went up too, okay? But when they attuned, whenever they were able to communicate, I understand why you're so upset. I get it. And they understood that they got it. Heart rates, and emboli- everything, they could measure with the watches that everything went down. You know, Julia said, you can literally feel, and I've, I've felt it before, the peace in the room. They get it. And the thing doesn't go away. It's just there's somebody there with you as you deal with it. Okay? That is with couples. So what we want to do is work towards that same type of attunement, but a little different because it's parent and child. We work towards that very goal of attuning. And when I say it's different with couples, they're on an equal playing field. With children, this is very important you're not on an equal playing field. You're the older, wiser, other, the safe place. And it doesn't matter how old they get or how young they are. It's not healthy for your kids to be your safe place. It's not, they're not designed to attune with you. You are designed to attune with them, okay? So I'm going to tell you guys a story. Um, This would probably be the only story which is kind of amazing for me because I love to tell stories. But I have a couple of grandsons that are brothers, Luke and Josiah. And they're 10 and 12 now and really cool. But back whenever they were four and six, they loved to go on adventures with Big Dad. And that's what they call me, Big Dad they love to go on adventures and one of these adventures it's not very complicated we would go and park on the greenway and then we would hike walking on the greenway for a mile and a half or so until we got to where there was a bunch of food trucks and one of the food trucks had really really cool ice cream of all different flavors and we would have ice cream and then we would hike back to the car. They loved it, they loved it. So you think about that, I've got the six-year-old boy and the four-year-old boy, and I explain to them every time, okay guys, we're on the Greenway, see this yellow line right here, these these yellow stripes? Stay on this side, because there's a lot of people on the Greenway, there's people walking and riding bicycles and people with their dogs, so you stay on your side, okay? Stay on your side. And they would for like 45 steps, and then they would be on the other side. I mean, it was kind of a constant. Hey, hey, guys, stay on the side, stay on the side, stay on the side. And that was typical. I mean, I, I wasn't thinking, okay, there's something really bad about these boys because they're not staying on their side. They also didn't always stay on the track, and they were run over into the trees and down by the creek and all that stuff. But we were walking through there one day, and I had just said, hey, stay on the side, guys. And we came to that spot where it makes a sharp curve and goes under the railroad tracks, and you can't see around that curve. And just as we got there, Josiah, the four-year-old, he saw a stick on the other side. And he's four, and it's a stick, so what did he do? He ran to grab the stick. And just as he did, one of those Fayetteville biker guys who had the helmet and the shirt and the pants and everything come around that curve going really fast. And he almost hit Josiah. And, you know, he yelled, Josiah froze, and the guy missed him and almost wrecked his bike and, you know, said sorry and kept on going. But Josiah was petrified. It scared him so bad. And at that point, I mean, it was pretty easy to attune with him because, empathize with him because I was scared too. But I ran to him and I grabbed him. And I knew, you know, I'm without thinking, but it's, it's time to put this into practice. Hey bud, that was so scary. You are so scared. And it makes sense because that bicycle guy, he almost hit you. I'm so sorry that happened. That was so scary. You're so scared. And he couldn't even hardly talk. He said, I'm scared. And I just held him and I said, I'm here with you, bud. It was scary. And it makes sense that that was so scary. I'm here with you. And we co regulated and attuned. And I told him, it makes sense that you were so scared. That was scary. Now, here's the thing, and this is important. Right then, what Josiah needed so bad was attunement. He needed me to understand he was scared and communicate to that with him and to be in that place with him, that it made sense to be so scared. Now, anytime, when we're dealing with attunement, there's some things that will break it immediately. And I could have told him some real truths right then in the big picture of training because that's what parents do and sometimes grandparents too, especially in the moment. I could have easily said, Josiah, that was your fault. I told you. Stay on this side. And that was your fault. I could have said, you didn't listen. Because he didn't. You didn't obey. Because he didn't. I could have said those things. And all of that would have been true. But in that moment, was he in a place for training? If I had tried to teach him a lesson right then, would he have got it? No. When our kids are in that highly regulated state, they're not in a place where they can learn. And guys, they're no different than us. When we're highly regulated, we're not learning either, okay? But when they're in that place, what they need is attunement. Is there a place for training and lessons? It's not just that there's a place for that and a time for it. It's absolutely necessary. It's what you've been blessedly called to do, to train up your child in the way they should go. But in order to do that well, we first attune and co-regulate. And then our kids are in a position where they can hear us and they can learn. Hopefully that makes sense to you guys. That's a real basis of what we're talking about today. And here's the thing. In this room, we have parents of toddlers Preschool, elementary age, preteens. Some of you have kids in more than one age bracket. Bless you. God has chosen you to parent his creation. It's the biggest blessing and the biggest challenge that you'll probably ever deal with. And it truly is both. When we're seeking, when our kids are seeking our presence as their parents, even testing our presence to see if we're available. And our kids do that. They're testing to see if we're attuned. Different ages act differently. Our toddlers, they may cry, act out by throwing fits or even tantrums. When they were babies, they cried because they were hungry or they needed changed. When they were uncomfortable in any way, and we as parents to that baby, we responded. And at that time, that attachment bond was being formed. We were saying, oh, I see you're hungry. Let me feed you. Let me hold you close. You're really tired. Let me rock you. And while that may have been exhausted, exhausting, we were able to meet that baby's needs and attune with what they were feeling. It was exhausting and hard, but maybe a little more simple those times, because they grow up. With our preschoolers, the need for attunement and attachment is so strong. Those preschoolers, they're beginning to explore the world. They can often be angry, sad, scared, have other emotions. How we respond as parents helps build on the attachment bonds they started forming as infants. When we have that angry preschooler, it is important for us to have empathy for what they're feeling and communicate that to them. For example, we respond with, I see you're so angry. You're really mad. I know you didn't want to break your toy. You love that toy. To empathize with them and do it in a way that they understand that you get it. Or you might say, you're really sad. You love that toy. It makes sense that you're sad. At that point, we're attuning with our child, not fixing the situation. As parents, we fix. That's part of the job description. But for us to fix without validating the emotions of our child, does not foster attunement if we fix without validating their emotions if we say you don't need to be sad i'll get you another toy just like it or you have lots of other toys the child can feel they were wrong in having big emotions or they may feel if i share my emotions they won't be heard now understand your preschooler's not thinking this, it's very subconscious. But they learn. They learn to keep their emotions in. And I understand, having been a parent and a grandparent, sometimes the situation is the child's fault. They put their squishy in the bathtub or even the toilet and then they're really sad because it's not squishy anymore. It's natural consequences that the toy's not the same. And you can point that out, it's true. But will pointing that out right then create attunement? Probably not. There's a time for training and learning, as we said. But first, attune. In this room we also have parents of elementary age children they've entered into a whole new big world. They have more responsibility and more things that can bring on those big emotions. Many things happen when you, their safe attachment figure, is not with them. And that's new. How can we attune to that elementary school child? we can be their safe attachment figure by letting them know if anything is hard, they can talk to us about it. We're curious, even investigators, to find out how they're doing and let them know that they can talk to us. We're their safe spot. So we're gonna self-reflect a moment again when you're in elementary school, who was your safe attachment figure? Did you have anyone? Interestingly enough, if you had one, you probably didn't realize it. That's one thing about kids that age, is their experience, is their experience and they are at that age in that place where they think their experience is everybody's experience. You know, they can have that thought. Well, everybody's mom fixes them a snack when they come home. My mom does. They, they have that feeling that, and you may have had that feeling, but as you look back, did you have a safe feeling? Attachment figure. With our kids today, it's important that we hear them, affirm those emotions, help them understand we have empathy for them, attune with them. Again, that co regulation time is not the time to fix or invalidate those emotions. Middle school, preteens, That's another whole new world. You guys, I talk to school kids all the time, and it is, our culture is so rapidly changing and things happening. The college students today didn't have to deal with things in middle school that middle schoolers in 2024 have to deal with. Things are changing that much. That's college students, that's not parents or grandparents. I mean, things have changed so much since you guys were in middle school. Middle schoolers now have to declare what pronouns they'd like to be called by. Social media is a thing. Having a phone is a thing. Middle schoolers are old enough to remember the pandemic. And older elementary school kids are too. And they need to attune. Those middle schoolers need to attune. They need to understand that they're not facing this changing world, all these new big things, they're not having to deal with that alone they have a safe, secure attachment figure. You guys, they need to know. And, you know, it may bring up stuff for you guys of this is so hard, but it's important for them to know that you understand that they're dealing with those big emotions, and that you're there, and that you're safe. With high schoolers, it's even more intense. Our teens are confronted with issues that their minds are not ready for. And it may freak you out a little as a parent of a high schooler, because your mind may, may not be ready to deal with it either. But here we are. So we need to be there also for our teens to investigate, to attune with them, validate their emotions, and communicate that no matter what they do, we could not love them less. Okay, and this goes for all ages, but it's something that teens are dealing with so much as they deal with performance and where they're at. It's very important to find the balance as parents in setting positive high expectations for our children at all ages and then celebrating the accomplishment. It's a wonderful part of raising children and being a parent. But so is communicating to them that Our love for them is not based on performance. We don't love them less when they fail. We don't love them less even when they intentionally fail. When they do something wrong and it's intentional and you can see it. But you don't love them less. And guys, I know that sounds hard. We are emotional beings too. And that's hard. The good thing is we have a great eternal example of that. Jesus does not love us less when we fail. His love for us. My Pages are sticking together. His love for us is not based on performance. It can't be. Now, I know that's a hard standard to live up to. But how do we do that? We attune. When our child misses the game-winning free throw, we mourn with them. We let them know that we see how hard that is for them. And let them know our love for them is not based on performance. And when, we lie to, when they lie to us and we have to punish them, we still attune with them. We let them know that we see they're in a hard place. They're embarrassed and they realize there are consequences. But that does not change our love for them. And attuning is letting them know that our love for them is not based on performance. And we're still their safe place, even when they fail. Okay, so I realize I've said a tune, an attunement about 700 times today. I hope that's not overwhelming. I'm cheering you on. I want you to know that so much. I'm cheering you on. You're in the trenches. You're doing the work that God's called you to do, and it's good. Thank you for being the parent to your children. Thank you for coming here, for wanting to learn. Thank you so much.